Hello, everybody, and welcome to the third episode of Movie Dudes. I'm Alec. And I'm Phil. And today, we are going to be talking about uh, the 2014 film Ex Machina, directed by, I, I think it's Alex Garland? Yes. Hell I have yeah. It on, yeah. I have it on DVD right here, as the viewers of the video podcast can see. Uh, over on my shelf, <laughs> or not on my shelf, my windowsill. Um, and I personally do not own it because I had not seen the film until like two days ago. <laughs> yeah, I watched it again last night, and that was my first time watching it since like 2015, probably. It's been a while. Mm -hmm. um, people may also notice that I'm finally in a new backdrop. I finally moved apartments. And now we have a nice, uh, nice window with some trees and leaves behind me, Ooh. some actual wildlife. <laughs> so yeah, it it's a little empty right now because there's no posters or anything like that. But um, this is it. This is probably gonna be the space for the next couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, can't really think of anything else new to add before we get into the the movie itself. Can you? Yeah. No, I don't really have anything. So I guess we can just jump into it. Yeah, I guess so. All right, so Ex Machina was a little a little factoid I like about it is that um it was one of the first like real or it was one of the first uh, A2 A24 produced movies. Oh, really? Yeah, they it was like I think maybe like the maybe like the first 6. Hmm. You, you know what? The first 6. Now that you say it, it kind of feels like an A24 movie. Yeah. I Hold on. Let me... Actually, let me look this up because I'm, I'm curious as, as to which one it was. Because I know... I know A24 had films like uh, like The Bling Ring before this one mm -hmm. came out. But let's see. A24 list. Okay. Yeah. It was the... Oh, that was completely wrong on saying it was one of the first six. It looks like it was the, uh, I think, like, the 14th. But it was within the first uh, couple of years of A24 being a thing. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, anyway, it is. it stars uh, Dom Hall Gleason, uh, Alicia Vikander, uh, and Oscar Isaac. Um, and I guess... Uh, Another thing to mention is the uh, the director also, you know, he wrote the screenplay. He wrote, uh, I thought this was also worth, worth mentioning, he wrote movies like um, 28 Days Later. And yeah. I, believe there's an, I believe there's another one that he wrote that's, like, pretty notable. Hold on. Dread. Um, he wrote Dread. He wrote Dread. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, I guess really the first thing to do is, would be to get into the plot. I should yeah. also, I should also mention. Uh, unlike House, I don't really have a good, like, list of like specific things that I like about it. I yeah. think it, I think the movie, and I'll get into this much more afterwards. I think the movie just works extremely well as, I don't know. It's like kind of like it's as a full complete experience. There's not too many mm -hmm. like fragments to kind of call out here and there, but um. 
I guess, yeah, let's let's get into it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Caleb, uh, played by Dom, Dom Hall Gleason, is a is a employee at a Google type company uh, called Blue Book, uh, where he was like his you know he's working at his desk when the movie opens and he gets an email saying basically, hey, you won a contest, and we later find out that that contest was for him to go to his uh, boss's estate. And uh, once he gets there, he meets his boss. His name is um, I'm blanking on the it's, name right now. Even, hold on. Even though yeah, even though I watched this last night, it's uh, Nathan. Nathan, yes, uh, yes. His boss's name is Nathan, played by Oscar Isaac, who does not look like Oscar Isaac in this movie. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, like you, if you go from like any of the new Star Wars movies to like watching him in this movie it's like that's a different dude that yeah <laughs> it's not the same guy but yeah um played by oscar isaac um and basically he gets there and reveals to caleb that hey uh i really brought you here so you could be the human component in a turing test against uh an ai that nathan has created named ava and that's uh really all we can get into before you know getting to spoilers so obviously the whole episode is going to be a spoiler discussion but i guess this is your final warning if you wanted mm-hmm. one so <laughs> if you haven't seen the film go watch it please yes very much yeah please go watch it i forgot to mention this was uh i mean i'm sure people already know if you've been keeping up with the podcast but this was uh my recommendation mm-hmm so yeah, I I first watched this movie with uh, my dad and some of his friends in 2015. I was uh, I was I was 13 years old, so it was kind of it was kind of fun near the end to watch it with my dad because there's quite a bit of nudity near the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was that was my first viewing of it, and I yeah. just remember being. I remember being completely blown away, but I didn't remember why until I watched the movie again. And, well, for me, for a long time, I knew about the film's existence, but I I wasn't really that interested in watching it. It just didn't seem like my kind of thing. And then for the podcast, I ended up watching it uh, two days ago. And unlike uh, Alec, I ended up watching it alone in my room because that's how I watch most of my films. Well, that was how I watched how I watched mine. Right. <laughs> yeah, I watched it. Yeah, I watched it. Uh, it's actually I, it's it's a very fun factoid. The uh, the first movie that I've watched in my new apartment. Ah. Um, yeah. So that is that's that. I watched it right over there. I'm not going to point over there. I'm not going to point my camera over there because it's an absolute mess. But mm-hmm. <laughs> it was it was a fun time, and I didn't. I don't know. I don't know if you've ever noticed. This is like a side tangent for a second. I have sure. it on DVD. I have it on DVD, which is like it's one of the only like modern movies I own on DVD. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for some reason, like DVD quality on like newer movies is so much worse. Like yeah, than, D- than DVD quality of like older movies. Um. Well, yeah. I'm, I don't I know mean, what that is. I'm guessing that it's because uh, recent films are filmed in uh 1080p 
and yeah. DVDs can't produce 1080p. It's like it's the, I think yeah. I saw that DVDs aren't even 720p. It's like 570p. So it's like, you know, yeah, it's it's like either that or like 480p. It's like hovering around there. Mm-hmm. It's something ridiculous like that. So I, now that you mention it, I guess that does make sense that they would yeah. have to downscale it. <laughs> yeah, the film's real, uh, resolution was largely largely downscaled. And uh, so, un- unlike other films, like older older films that which uh, were shot on uh, on film, mm-hmm. those films don't have pixels and stuff like that, so don't see yeah. it. You don't notice it as much. Yeah, because like the last time I remember watching like a movie strictly on DVD was uh, Itu Mama Tambien, mm-hmm. uh, and it looked like fine. Like I was like, this just looks like yeah. I'm watching a blue. This lo- just looks like I'm watching a Blu-ray, but that's because it was shot in like 2001. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's like okay, I I, I kind of get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. Anyway, back to the movie, I guess. Yeah. That was something I something I just wanted to mention of my viewing of it this time. But um, so I guess to get back into the actual story, um, this is where we're. I'm, I guess we're kind of just gonna go through a bit of a play by play of what happens before we get into specific moments that we liked or like analysis because. Mm-hmm. I don't really have many specific points, but I do have a lot of analysis notes that I noticed this time around. Yeah, same. Um, so, uh, basically, picking up from where we left off, Caleb is the Turing test, or the human in the Turing test component uh, within Robot, which if you don't know what the Turing test is, it's basically like a test to determine whether or not an AI has conscience or, or like has consciousness at all. Like, if you're talking to an AI and you can't differentiate whether it's a human or an AI, then they pass the test. So, Caleb begins to have uh, sessions with Ava. Um, and each session kind of builds in, um, like, intensity. Like, the first one, I believe they just introduce themselves. Um, mm-hmm. And I can't, can't exactly remember a play-by-play. Uh, but, yeah, I, I gotta, just give me a second, I'll, I'll find the, pl- I'll find, like, a, a guide to keep me on, because I don't remember this mm-hmm. movie quite as well, quite as well as I did with, like, stuff yeah. like House. <laughs> mm-hmm, right. So, let's see. Okay, so. Um, yeah, so, yeah, there, okay, here we go. Uh, so, you know, he meets up with Ava, and Ava's kind of in this, like, sectioned-off room, kind of, like, divided by glass, um, and he's kind of, like, I don't know what the word would be, he's, like, kind of, like, intrigued by Ava, so once the first, once the first kind of session ends, he talks with Nathan and Nathan just kind of asks him like, "Hey, um, what like uh, like what do you think?" And uh, then we go into kind of I don't know. In following in following scenes, we real we are told that Caleb um, has access to cameras that can see into uh, Ava's room. We learn that uh, that he is attracted to Ava and. She is as well, and Nathan makes this a very important 
factor in the uh, in the Turing test. <laughs> um, I just realized this movie is really hard to summarize. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, no, that's what I was thinking. Unlike House, where it's like you know the yeah, beginning, you, the the middle, and the ending are all very different, but with uh with this film, everything is kind of like uh very similar. It just pro progressively gets sort sort of like weirder and weirder. It's just such like I don't know. I think I'm gonna. <laughs> I honestly think I'm gonna abandon my summary because, like, <laughs> yeah, like, I, or I'll maybe, I don't know. I think, well, to to, to make okay, it, yeah, to make it really quick, just yeah. just so like people can understand. Uh, basically, it's just a repetition of uh, Caleb talking to Ava and then talking to Nathan again to tell him what's going on and everything but the more it goes the more he learns that there's some weird shit going on that nathan is not a really trustworthy guy and that ava you know he also ends up falling in love with ava and she's probably also falling in love with him and uh, by the end they decide all right i'm gonna get nathan uh blackout drunk and then i'm um, we're gonna escape and yeah, uh okay. yeah i can um I think the ending can be summarized pretty well. The ending can definitely like, be just, summarized. It's definitely, like, that middle part where it's kind of the repetition is just, like, you, I think you did it perfectly. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. I So, yeah, okay. Basically, during or during these sessions, we've learned that uh, Ava is causing power outages uh, during, their, during their talks uh, so that she can communicate with Caleb without arousing the suspicion of, uh, of Nathan. So... During one of these during one of these power outages, Caleb basically says, "Yeah, I'm gonna get Nathan blackout drunk and we're gonna escape." So the next day, uh, Caleb is discovered by Nathan. His whole plan is discovered because Nathan put a camera in the room that was battery operated so that he could watch the whole exchange, um, and he reveals the true nature of the Turing test. Mm -hmm. It was not. It was not to see whether or not um I, I guess it really wasn't to see whether or not that like i don't know that like caleb could interact with this um robot well it was mainly to see if ava could deceive caleb mm -hmm. and we end up finding out that that's that's the case that ava that basically caleb does caleb reveals to nathan that he had already hacked the security system to let Ava out once the power outage started. Uh, Caleb is knocked out by Nathan and left in the room. Nathan escapes the room uh, and is uh, promptly killed by Ava and uh, his assistant, who we haven't mentioned uh, yet, uh, who's also a robot named uh, Kyoko. Mm -hmm. um, there, yeah, he's basically killed by those two. Kyoko is also killed by Nathan at this point. Um, Ava goes into the room where Caleb is, asks him to wait there. She replaces all of her mechanical parts with skin from other from other robot bodies that Nathan has built and trashed along the way. Um, and basically morphs herself into an actual, like, like full humanoid, I guess would be the word. Uh, and then she walks out of the room, locks Caleb in the room forever, and leaves the house and goes out into the real world. 
and that's ex machina <laughs> yep so so uh, what did you, so what did you hmm. think of the movie phil i i liked it i thought it was pretty good um in general i'm you know i'm not the kind of guy who's way into science but in general i find stuff like uh space and new technologies to be pretty interesting i'm like most people i think and so that well that's something that i want to talk about uh later in the podcast maybe talk about sort of like our uh, opinions on artificial intelligence and what it's mm. going to do to the world and everything but for the movie um you know i thought it was uh a, a really interesting film to, to watch a really good take on ais um i thought it was also in in some parts incredibly well written and oh, uh the acting's great um gonna get into i'm gonna talk about that in more details later but oscar isaac's character is i thought it was so funny oh my god we can okay we can mention a specific well, scene and i think right. i think you're gonna mention the same one uh-huh. But um, Oscar Isaac, uh, while Caleb is watching the cameras, uh, barges into Ava's room and tears up a drawing that she made. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is all like kind of a masquerade so that he could distract them and place the camera that would you know bust their plan later on. Mm-hmm. Um, but later in, later that day, uh, Caleb confronts Nathan in a room, or he, he confronts Kyoko, the assistant. Nathan discovers mm-hmm. the two of them. Nathan <laughs> verbatim says, uh, why are you wasting your time talking with her when you could be dancing with her? And then he turns on a light and like some dance music comes on. Yeah. Um, and then my favorite line in the entire mm-hmm. movie happens. I think it's going to be mine as well. Yep. He goes, or Caleb goes, why'd you tear up or you tore up her drawing? Why'd you do that? He goes, I'm about to tear up this fucking dance floor, dude. Check this out. <laughs> and, he, and he shuffles away and starts dancing with Kyoko for like 40 seconds. It's dude, so that good. Is, oh, that it's is an incredible moment. There was another line that was like one of two lines and maybe that made, uh, made me laugh out loud. I don't, I don't remember what it was, but it was another line from Nathan. Uh, oh yeah, it was um, right after the the first interaction between Caleb and uh, Ava, and Caleb got into this really big explanation of like of what he thought and was asking those big questions and everything. And Nathan was like, "Dude, just tell me what did you think of her?" And Caleb answers and says, "She's fucking awesome." And I don't remember what he says, but Nathan says like. Uh, Hell yeah, or something like that. I don't remember. He's like, you're God, he's like, you're goddamn right. God, you're goddamn it's right, like, yeah. There's there's another incredible moment from uh, Oscar Isaac as Nathan mm-hmm. uh, where he brings up a really interesting point about just human interaction in general. Uh, mm-hmm. Because Caleb, after one of the se- sections, asks Nathan, why did you give her sexuality? Uh, mm-hmm. he, he replies that, I mean, basically all human interaction like stems from a few core things one of those things being sexuality um mm-hmm. and obviously i can't explain all of it here because it's just it's a lot to go over but right. um but that's basically what it boils down to um and it gets and it gets pretty funny in that scene because uh he goes like he's like are you asking if you can have sex with her and he goes 
because you can. And then Caleb's like, Caleb's like, no, no. He's like, I programmed that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so good. It's um, really, yeah. I It was, uh, I'd say it was funnier than I thought it would be. Oh, yeah. It has a lot mm-hmm. of comedic moments, but that is also supplemented with uh, some extremely dark moments, especially yeah. near, uh, near the end of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is another thing I wanted to like another lens I guess you could m- look through this movie through yeah. upon different viewings is who's the protagonist who's the antagonist because you would like to think that it's you know like Caleb's the protagonist Nathan's the antagonist and Ava is just the victim yeah the, but the damsel in distress yeah but you could also think about it like this I think the twist of the movie is. Mm-hmm taking Ava not as a damsel as a stress but as the actual protagonist in the situation mm-hmm. because she basically takes over the control uh, that Caleb seized from Nathan uh, and leaves them both in the dust as she exits the estate yeah um, and I guess you could also see her as a twist antagonist if you wanted to go that way, that route in a way yeah I'd say yeah you can really look at most of the characters in this movie as like um diff- through different lenses because well i mean there's there's really only four characters five if you count the helicopter pilot who's in it for a minute <laughs> best character of the film yeah best character <laughs> of the film because <laughs> they're in the yeah they're in the helicopter and he's like when do we get to his estate and he laughs and he goes this is the estate <laughs> we've been flying over his estate for two hours yeah yeah, that's right. And it's actually the first note I wrote in my notes. It's like, this dude is disgustingly rich. Oh, yeah. It's it's a moment. It, there was um, a really interesting thing. Uh, so they sold the... Uh, like The screenplay is officially uh, being published by A24. So you can go out there if you're if you feel so inclined i feel like my i feel like i might do it sometime in the future mm-hmm. if you'd like to buy the entire screenplay you can on a24's website i like that but somebody noticed that that initial interaction between caleb and the helicopter pilot lasts two pages hmm. uh while the while the interaction in the movie is only two lines so there, it's basically the same kind of exposition of just kind of like back and forth stating how Nathan, how rich uh, Nathan is. But you, I think the editing in this film too is brilliant because you get this immediate moment of like, you immediately know what that entire two page exchange boiled down to is that Nathan's extremely rich and we're going to meet him as, at his estate. Mm-hmm. You get that from those two lines, which is incredible <laughs> the yeah, fact no, that that's that, yeah that's yeah, something the fact that, that they're able to do that mm-hmm. that's something that i noticed is the the film uh from the v- very beginning uh tries to to go to like the the the, the first scene where caleb and and nathan meet it tries to go there so fast like it the the the, the beginning of when caleb learns that he won the the context uh, contest and everything just goes by so fast it's not not a single line of dialogue, just him seeing the. I, no, I guess there is some dialogue, but just he, him seeing uh, like the the message, like "Oh, you won," and then everyone around him being like, "Hey, congrats!" And then yeah, helicopter, just like that. Yeah. And it's in two minutes, you understand what's going on, and Caleb is meeting meeting Nathan, and you're ready to start the movie. 
Yeah, I I think the uh, it's the film is extremely effective at uh, mm-hmm. just presenting information. Another thing I guess I forgot to mention during the explanation of the ending is that midway through the movie we learned that Caleb um, was not randomly selected to win any kind of contest. He was very much selected by uh, by Nathan. Uh, mm-hmm. Not for his programming prowess, but just because he because he was uh, good at heart and was vulnerable to I to you know companionship to the idea of companionship due to his parents dying when he was young and not being in a relationship, mm-hmm. which is so messed up. But yeah, it's so, like, oh yeah, 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 it's so interesting. It's like oh my god. Yeah. But um, it, he, it's also revealed that Ava was specifically created to warm into uh, Caleb's mind because it's it's revealed near the end uh, that Nathan created Ava due to, or um, according to Nathan's uh, or to Caleb's uh, pornography preferences. Yep. Which is, oh my god, <laughs> like this movie because like even in twenty fifteen. I guess you could, like, this was, um, obviously after, like, I think, wasn't 2015 after the Edward Snowden leak, leaks? I have no idea when that happened. I was I It was, that. it was definitely, like, early 2010s, but it was not even, like, a really that prevalent of topic in 2015. So, you know, this, this film also remains topical today because it's also revealed that Ava was created using, um the thought patterns of people all over the world using blue book google Mm -hmm. so i just thought that was interesting i thought i I like how topical even like even old artificial intelligence movies are still topical today yeah um and i guess we'll get into that a bit later but Mm -hmm. um let's see i think there's a couple other good lenses to look through this for i'll get there were two that i came across while doing a bit of research for this episode. Um, there's one that I came across randomly on Letterboxd that I wanted to mention because I think, well, I don't think it's the point of the movie. I think it's a decently interesting way to look at the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was posted on Letterboxd by a user named uh, Dorsey uh, who posted a five-star review of the movie Um stating that their opinion is that the movie is about the ways and I'm quoting them pretty much here. I'm, right. I'm parap- I might be par- I might be paraphrasing a little bit, but this is their review. I'll link it in the description. Um, it's about the ways that men treat women. The obvious misogynist, Nathan, considers women as a tool for him to control and you know, have his way with at his leisure. Kyoko. The nice guy, Caleb wants to be the friend and liberator to women, but that interest comes and goes proportional, proportional to how much he wants to have sex with them, uh, no matter how similar in intellect and skill they might be. They believe it's up to them to determine their worth, freedom, or personhood. I don't believe that that was the exact point of the movie, but I think yeah. it's a decently interesting way to look at it. Well, I mean, a lot of films have... A very a bunch of different ways, like a bunch of different theories oh, of, of things yeah. that could be what what it's really about. And so you know, I I think the question of is that really what they meant to to say 
is not really the right question to ask because I mean, f- oh, for course. a lot of directors, their answer is whatever you you want to, it, it can work. Whatever you say, you know. Yeah, and I, yeah, and I think I just I I really wanted to highlight that specific review because mm-hmm. it it got me thinking after the movie. I'm like, that's I wouldn't have thought of, I wouldn't have thought to look at it that way. Yeah. Really. No, I didn't but think I, about that, but it makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense in a way. I like I mm-hmm. like that review. I like it, yeah. Yeah. But there is another lens to look through the movie through. Yes. That I liked a lot, um, which is um, expanding off of the idea of um, looking at the movie as an allegory for God. Hmm. So, obviously, right, yeah. in the be- obviously in the beginning of the movie... Um, Caleb says to Nathan after he's revealed to Ava, uh, he says, like, you know, this isn't just the history of humans. This is the history of a god. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Nathan begins, or, you know, Nathan kind of feeds into that and keeps on going with his god complex, basically, throughout the story. But it even, so the god idea came, the god theory kind of, like, stems off the idea of even the title which like you know ex machina is derivative from the term uh deus ex machina which in latin means a god from a machine um yeah and it it in the title it removes the word that meant god so and and even in the movie ava kills nathan removing basically what is god I thought there's there's a video that goes into it a lot better than I could ever do, and I think it's hold on let me let me go get the channel name specifically um, because it was one right. that I watched this morning and I really enjoyed it. Um, mm-hmm. It was it was a it was it's called um, Ex Machina's Hidden Meeting: The Death of God uh, by uh, Logos Made Flesh on YouTube. So if you're wanting to get a really interesting perspective on the entire structure of the movie uh i would say go through there or go, go to that channel because i really enjoyed that analysis and the last i guess point or detail that i wanted to mention is something else that i saw mentioned in a youtube video i i believe it might have been lessons from the screenplay it might not have been um but there was uh there's the scene or so the scene of Caleb entering the estate is the exact same path that Ava takes in reverse at the end of the movie. Mm. Yeah, which I didn't notice until obviously that was pointed out. I'm like, oh, look at that. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. But yeah, I, I just think this movie is super interesting. I think it's a really interesting, yeah. uh, just kind of thought-provoking movie, I guess you would say. It kind of it it has me ranting because I don't I don't really solid like solidly know what I want to say about this movie other than it's interesting and I love it a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah, no, it's a really interesting film. Yeah, was there was there any like interesting takeaways that you had from um, your experience? Yeah, well, one of the things that I wanted to mention. Um, to kind of get more into like the the, the film itself how it was made um mm. was for the scenes 
uh, where Caleb is talking to Ava, I just thought they were so the the screenwriting for these scenes, the dialogues were so good. Mm. Like, um, I don't ha- I don't have unfortunately any specific um, line or anything, but I I thought that I don't know it was just a. I saw that and I was like, yeah, that makes sense. I, I would see a, an artificial intelligence saying that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's the kind of uh, dialogue that make you know, uh, especially when you, uh, there's the, um, like the, uh, the, the power outbreak. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 the power, the power outbreak. Outbreaks, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where, um, you know, she she's kind of like, uh, Kelly's kind of like panicking a little bit. And he's like, "Oh shit, what's going on?" And uh, Ava just says like, "Don't trust Nathan and, and everything." And uh, I saw that and I was like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, <laughs> it it is uh, an extremely like, oh okay kind of moment. It's like, oh, I th- that's funny because one of my first notes that I put was uh, Oscar Isaac's character is weird and I don't trust him. Yeah, you're definitely it comes, you're definitely mm-hmm. not meant to trust Nathan. No, and it actually comes back a few times in my notes where I'm like, all right, uh, I do <laughs> not trust him, and I'm sure that he's gonna end up like doing some bad shit to to to, to Caleb. Yeah, um, it's I think it's really good that you mentioned um, just the writing of those uh, session scenes because mm-hmm. I just because. You got me jogging on a couple of those uh, old or a couple of those scenes. Like uh, specifically, there's the part uh, that kind of feeds into the idea that Ava's a like a learning AI kind of like it's it's very much a point towards her being an AI that's still learning how to be human. Uh, is the scene where Caleb, uh, you know, says or says like um, or she shows him a drawing that she made, and he goes, "Okay, I want you to draw." Uh, anything and he says it has to be of your choosing and she goes why and he goes I'm interested to see what you decide and later mm-hmm. in that session Ava throws the line back at him uh, I don't remember the exact context uh, of what it she was... says what was it like how she wanted him to, to talk about his life anyway, yes that's it was it. Like, that's it. Where, like... do you want, where do you want me to start uh, you choose, you know, so something like that. Yeah, she's, she's like, yeah, I want to see what you'll decide. Yeah. Um, and he remarks to Nathan directly after the scene, She's he, or he's like, um, she made a joke. Mm-hmm. And that's, I, that's one of my favorite moments from the sessions. But my favorite session is, I think, I think it's either the fifth or sixth section, or session where uh, Ava... Uh, asks a series of questions to Caleb um, mm-hmm. and determines whether or not he's telling the truth. This whole yep. scene is perfect. <laughs> it is so... It's really good. It's so, like, meticulous in how it reveals like, the information that's being presented. Like, mm-hmm. um, it, like... like uh, just like many other scenes in the movie, it, leave, it just kind of leaves you hanging on everything that is being said between the two of them so like there's you know obviously they talk about like um or i think probably the i can't remember like one of the more or she says you know she asks like are you a good person um 
and that is like that's the only one that's the only question because like all the other questions even like what's your favorite color she outright says is a lie caleb mm-hmm. in response to the do you think you're a good person question says that yes he thinks he you know kind of thinks that he's a good person she mm-hmm. just moves on i thought that was an interesting kind of um i guess direction for that to go in mm-hmm. but um another here's another uh sc- screenplay only uh like thing that was cut from the movie is that uh initially the final question that ava asks uh do you want to be with me uh is cut off and we do not get to hear caleb's response Mm -hmm. in the screenplay the scene continues basically basically he says that yes he does and uh says that he doesn't trust nate or he doesn't trust nathan and that he wants them to escape together it's another case of we learn this later on anyway so it wasn't mm-hmm. really a need for that to happen or for that to be in the movie so i and it's, it's again a really cool cut <laughs> yeah but yeah hmm. that was um that was the things from the sessions that i particularly enjoyed yeah um there was uh another note that i wrote just like as a little thing um to yeah talk about more about the the technical side of uh, how the film was made which is mm. um th- this one is kind of a low budget film i think it's like uh 16 million dollars yeah but the you know it's not the kind of film that has a lot of uh that much special effects especially for a sci-fi film but the yeah. the special effects on the robots especially on ava are they're so good you can absolutely yeah you can absolutely tell that that's where not mm-hmm. all of the budget went went but through a but a big like, part of it a big part of the special effects for sure cuz like there's there's you know to my i guess you know to to anyone's eye like that's obviously the thing in the movie that's computer generated mm-hmm. but like most of the other stuff like aside from a few touch-ups looks completely real mhm the way that they that's another thing i wanted to mention but i um yeah, yeah but i but i forgot um the scene where she's putting on uh all the body parts from the different robots and everything yeah. is so like interesting as just to how that probably worked because i've seen the behind the scenes where like it's it's shown a uh, you know alicia vikander in that uh in like a you know not a green screen suit, but it's like a special effects suit that, you know... Yeah, yeah, the, like, motion show... capture thing, right? Yeah, the, mo- the motion capture that allowed them to mm-hmm. do the robot body around her, like, real face. Um, but the scene where she's, like, taking off parts from, like, other robots and, like, attaching them to her own skin is so interesting, and I just, I want to know how they did it. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's just, really good. I, because I watch it and I'm like, whoa! <laughs> mm-hmm. It's it's oddly it's an oddly beautiful scene. Yeah, like it really it it feels. I guess the best way to describe it is like it feels like you feel like the liberation that mm-hmm. she like and just kind of like the humanization of her being like an actual person now due to these new parts, pretty much like by you know, just you know visually at least. Um, but you also get just the dreading darkness of like 
you know, just kind of the whole situation. It's like, it's like, oh, feels uncomfortable. I love it. <laughs> yeah. That was a, no, that was a good scene. Oh yeah. But uh, yeah, that's that's kind of all I got for um, like surface level comments, I guess, or just you know from from what I wrote in my notes and everything. That's that's all I got. Yeah. What about you? Um. Uh, well, I just have a a few small things. Um. Sure. Well, the the you know every interaction every scene that's an interaction between Caleb and Ava starts with like uh, a, a text I don't remember what it says it's like uh, it test says, number it's like, it's like Ava session one session yeah, two and I like how the the last scene that they had where they talk together uh, when like after Ava has killed Nathan is shown as Ava session number seven, like it's one of the yeah. other sessions. I thought it was really neat because it's it really you know, they, like, like that's a th- yeah. Now that you mentioned that, is like a really good indication that like yeah, you think that something's different, but like at the end of the day, it's still like you know she he's still gonna or like what someone's gonna end up trapped because it doesn't it doesn't feel like liberating once you see the text that just says Ava session seven. It's like, oh, it's still happening. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Uh, I thought it was a really nice touch. Um, I I wrote uh, a note that said, "UQ is weird as well." I'm expecting she's gonna start the robot apocalypse. Because <laughs> uh, I don't remember what scene it was, but there was a scene. Um, I think it was when uh, the the scene when Caleb stole Nathan's card. And he went to his room and he saw like uh, uh, he 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 saw her like naked. Yeah. And uh, I don't know the way it was. I was like, yeah, no, I don't trust her at all. Yeah, Kyoko, um, like, cause like the way she's introduced is just kind of as Nathan's assistant, and he just kind of says, "Oh, she doesn't understand English," and you you kind of assume that's because like. Oh, you know, Caleb just kind of, you know, got a, you know, got someone who's not like from from the country in and just didn't mm-hmm. teach him English to be, you know, be his assistant. No, he created her and just didn't program any kind of language into her yeah. other than like a few phrases, which is so crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's actually something that I, uh, I, uh, I kind of go- I kind of understood before it was revealed, like. Uh, mm-hmm. In one of the first scenes with her, I was like, I think I'm pretty sure she's she's a robot. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought that was funny. And the the last thing I have, which is just a really small thing, but I thought was a uh, uh, was nice. Which um, how do you, uh, the the actor who plays Caleb? How do you pronounce his name? Uh, Dom Hall Gleason. Yeah. Uh, Donald Gleeson. He's uh, he's a British actor who um, I only knew him for being uh, one of the Weasleys in uh, Harry Potter. He's Bill Weasley <laughs> yeah. in uh, the last films, and so you know that's all I knew from him. So I, expe- I expected him to be British, but then he had, you know, I thought he, I thought he had a really good American accent. No, it was like a great American accent. Yeah, it, like f- fooled me until I remembered, like, oh yeah, he's from harry mm-hmm. potter like it's like yeah i've seen him before <laughs> yeah no it's, but he says he's from 
uh, Long Island, and it's like, yeah, I believe it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, honestly, that was pretty much all I had to say about it. So, yeah. um, well, I guess, well, as I mentioned uh, earlier, I'd like to talk more about like what's our opinions on artificial intelligence. Like uh, when I after I finished the movie, I thought that, that would be a good in, um, a good discussion to have after the the film. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's yeah. Not only is it relevant, but it's just it's it's interesting conversation for sure. In general, yeah. So, well, well, in general, what do you think about AIs? Um, I it's it's the same thing I think about technology. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting that, or like I think the advancements we've made in technology, even in just like the last twenty years is really mm-hmm. cool but it's also you know terrifying it's like there's obviously it's like the cool stuff is like oh you know we have computers in our pockets now or like we can do anything we want or we can know anything we want we have it's, the technology where we can just yeah. be two idiots talking about a film and people will listen it, exactly the what fact that, yeah the fact that we can do this right now is Un, mm-hmm. un unknowable outside of like a couple critics here and there throughout the time throughout like the history yeah. of like television I mean, but like before what, just before the, the internet, internet before the yeah. internet who, who could do what we're doing besides like besides like roger ebert yeah like like, not like, a lot, like cisco not and a lot ebert, of people like, yeah mm-hmm. like nobody like other mm-hmm. like other than like people like like newspaper critics or like magazine critics, it's it wasn't a thing until the internet became a thing. Now right. that you ha- now that we have the internet, we can do whatever we want, which is amazing, but also kind of terrifying in a way. And that gives way yes. to that gives way to artificial intelligence. And I'm sure you've had these moments uh, where like yeah. you know you'll say something like in a regular conversation and later on like Amazon or something, you'll get a suggested thing. Like I obviously recently moved into this apartment. I was talking to my dad about buying a shelf on Amazon the next day. Uh-huh. I got recommended a shelf. Yep. So, so I was like, you know, it's like, obviously now that's just commonplace, but like even three years ago, that's a moment of like, Oh my God, what? <laughs> I, I remember, um, in my in my last year of high school, we had a class. We, we had a finance class, and I don't remember why, but the topic of the class ended up being around this, and uh, the the teacher was talking about, you know how the how that was a thing, and I didn't re- didn't really know about it. And then a few weeks later, I was talking to my brother about I don't, I don't remember what exactly, but about a certain object, and then um, the next day. I went on YouTube and I had an ad next to the video about that specific object that we were talking about. And I was like, whoa, yeah, this is crazy. It's wild. Yeah. No, I was, um, I guess the other thing to say is that like, when it comes to technology, you, you get a lot of like, I guess you kind of have a, like for a lot of, I guess for a lot of vocal people, what you have is kind of like a very black and white, like either they don't care or they're extremely vocal about them not being, you know, too privy to like the new technology. It's usually older people, um, to, yeah. like, the new, to the new technology that's being, you know, out there. 
Um, mm-hmm. But most people, I think, live in just kind of the gray area of thought where it's like, you know, I I am uncomfortable with like some of the things that are, you know, happening with technology uh, and will happen with technology in the future. Like eventually we're going to get to a time where privacy like we're already there pretty much but like yeah oh definitely yeah we're gonna get to a time where it's like non-existent even on like an a like on a, a level that you can be aware it's like and that's going to be it's going to be like scary like knowing that you know the the not much is private anymore but it's also going to be extremely convenient like not to go all you know, not to go completely like 1984 crazy on you, but like <laughs> uh, that, like to kind of throw in a point to to the positive side of technology, it's life is going to be so con- like even more convenient than it is now. Yeah, it's like and, eventually, I mean, to- eventually it's going to be like I I truly do think eventually it's going to be like that Futurama episode where they get like the the like headphones or like the the phones they like you plug into your head and like you can just like see everything in your like eyes mm, yeah it's gonna be like crazy stuff like that yeah well th- that was like a uh, a simpson episode where they uh they, sh- they show the future of like when the kids uh, have become adults and they uh instead of having a, a screen where they look at on their computer they just have uh like a thing that they plug into their neck and then they basically just fall as- kind of fall asleep and then they go into the world of the internet that's and, yeah. That's, that's absolutely gonna happen. Well, all right. The way that it's made in the Simpsons kind of seems <laughs> pretty unrealistic. Well, obviously, but like, but so that's, that's the thing is that like, they have that like that that seems pretty unrealistic as well. But like, right. even in past future episodes that they did, like, there's the episode they did. I think it's like one of the first future episodes, the Lisa's wedding one. Uh, mm-hmm they're shown to have like uh like video camera phones uh mm-hmm. which mobile phones weren't even like that widespread a thing by the time that episode came out yeah so it's, it's, it was a it was a time where where um mobile phones were those huge bricks yeah those those huge bricks that only like you know like you know wealthy people would have right so um but there's i'm trying to remember um where I was going with a certain thing, but I don't, I don't quite remember. <laughs> all right. Well, um, I'll remember in a bit. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Well, all right. I will. I wanted to add. Like, I remember this video I saw uh, a few months ago that was, I thought was just so crazy, and maybe you saw it because the kind of video that was in everybody's recommended. Oh, it sure. was um, this kind of like interview in uh, the 19. I think it was the 1960s or 70s that was about a specific computer at the time where computers were just uh, were those giant machines and it's um the the guy said by the year 2000 every household in america is going to have a computer and it's yeah and, and i mean today like everyone has a phone which is like a thousand times more powerful than the computer that was shown uh on there yeah and, like I, I haven't seen that specific video, but I have heard that quote. Right. Um, but yeah, it's. I and think that's extremely interesting that like stuff. Well, obviously, like that, it kind of makes sense at the way that 
technology was increasing, but I don't think mm-hmm. I don't think anyone imagined it to be like the curve that it ended up being because it really was like yeah for like f- seventy years we just had like a steady like kind of like it's kind of going up sometimes but it's a very flat curve until then it's like nineteen ninety nine it exploded and like we yeah got, pretty much we got like. You know, or like around there, we got like three game consoles. We got like the first mobile phones that people would get. iPhone would come out seven years after that. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, it's oh man, it's crazy. And it's been twenty like over twenty years since that happened, and we have the ability to create simulations. Like we we have we can create video games that sometimes are like indistinguishable from how. Mm-hmm life is and that's it's, insane have you heard the um, how like a, a mobile phone an object that every most human beings have in their pocket at almost all time mm-hmm. and it's uh, a, a computer that is a lot i don't know the exact number but it's a lot more powerful than the computer that was used in the 1960s to send humans to the moon yeah well like the the computer that was used back then was like not even like a floppy disk's worth of memory. Oh man. And that's like yeah. incredible. <laughs> well, there that's another comparison of like how floppy disks uh, didn't really hold that much information compared to a tiny SD card that can hold like a, yeah. a fucking terabyte. Yeah, it's it's insane like though the rapid pace that stuff's moving in. Obviously, they mention it. They mention ex machina, um, but obviously, eventually, we're going to reach a singularity. I don't think it's going to happen for a good while because we still have mm-hmm. a way to go. We still have yeah. a way to go till everything's perfect. You know, AI at this point isn't that perfect. It's kind of scary, but it's not. No. Like, it's not like indistinguishable from real life. But no, no, no. I think what ex machina shows is kind of a world where like or just kind of that that idea of like eventually this this is probably going to be a thing yeah and i and i've always liked um stories that deal with like the humanity of artificial intelligence like even um you can say what you want about uh detroit become human or the uh or the director writer david cage uh Mm -hmm. i I haven't played any of his games yeah he you can say what you want about him as a writer um, mm-hmm. But I've always at least enjoyed his concepts. He can go All a right. bit. He can be, he can go a bit too too much into his head during certain story stuff. But Detroit Become Human is like just very fascinating all the way through. And that's a story about like artificial intelligence gaining like citizenship through like you know like choices that you make. You can you can either make you can either like make sure like everything goes completely peacefully that there's not like much bloodshed at all or you can make it a war <laughs> or you could like bomb buildings or like just go like on, on right. a complete like revolution it's and i think that just I, like stories about ai is just just fun i was even trying to think about it after i watched x market i'm like how many of those movies or like even just stories in general are there that i've that i've seen that stuck in my brain quite like ex machina mm-hmm. and it's like obviously there's ex machina i just mentioned detroit 
Um, but it's like, I, at the moment, I'm kind of drawing a blank. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I just remembered... Um, well, hold on. Just thought, uh, I'm just going to uh, charge my laptop a bit because it's kind of low on battery. So just it's hold on a bit. So I remember something that I wanted to... Um, to, to mention of the podcast which is how this film is actually very similar to another film which i saw oh, yeah? um a few weeks ago which is her oh yeah with um what's his face joaquin phoenix joaquin phoenix yes and uh, scotty Johansson and everything and that's uh, that's that's another one of my recommended films for us to talk about eventually mm-hmm. so you know for that reason um i'm not gonna get too into her but you know it's j- just like ex machina it's a film about um a-, a guy meeting a very realistic ai and falling in love with her uh mm-hmm. main difference is that the ai in her is not a test it's an actual thing that's been released and it's yeah. not um a robot it's not a thing that has a body it's just basically a nap on his computer yeah, we get to see in in Ex Machina, we see what's obviously like the like the prototype stage of um, of like a, you know an AI just between two real people. We see those interactions, but in her, the lens that we get to see it through is a uh, a much bigger like I guess societal lens. I guess you'd call it. Is we see kind of like. How the how we see like obviously the movie is told from the perspective of the main character and his AI, but we also get glimpses as to what other people think about robot human relationships, um, and just how the world is you know kind of morphing a- along to this AI taking over like um, just kind of like not like taking over too much, but kind of like you know taking its place in modern society i guess you would say Mm -hmm. um but i I think it's a really cool kind of uh juxtaposition with both films is you get to see kind of like i don't know what what two people think about it versus like what a whole world would think about it Mm -hmm. um so i I don't really know if I have anything else to add really on uh, the comparison with her. But there was just something right. that I thought was uh, interesting to, to mention. Yeah. I don't I don't really know that many films about specifically AIs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, th- this is one of them. And not only is it about AI, it's a romance between an AI and a, and a human. Yeah. So it was pretty interesting. Yeah, I like. Um, I don't even know why I didn't mention her when I when it came to my uh, movies movies and stories about uh, artificial intelligence because I saw that one recently mm-hmm. too, and I was like, you know, obviously very blown away by it. Right. But yeah, um, that's kind of all I got for that comparison as well, and I think um, yeah. I don't know. I, we got to we got to what my views on artificial intelligence are. What are what are your views? Um. It's I'm not I'm not really that I haven't really done research you know right I, so I I can only say <laughs> so much but I don't really yeah. I, I, I don't really feel good with saying stuff about something that I'm not really 
I don't, I don't, I don't really know about. Because, uh, you know, generally, generally I feel like those people, you know, the, the people who talk about stuff without knowing about it are the, the kind of people who are going to say that uh, the vaccines are going to are going to kill you and that the coronavirus <laughs> is fake. Yeah, that kind that's... of stuff. So I, I don't want to be compared to those people, obviously. Right. But I think, um, I don't know, I guess to, a way to rephrase it is mm-hmm. yeah. it, it's, the, it's kind of the same way that, uh, that Nathan refers to it in the film. Not from an analytical sense, but what, like, what do you think, like personally yeah. about about the idea of I, I a, think... whole, a whole new a whole new state of, I guess, consciousness. <laughs> I think the idea of AI is pretty cool. It's if I'm look at it in the most like sort of optimist way, in a way that you know. Uh, AIs are going to be a thing. They're going to be super realistic, uh, almost like an actual, really close to like a an actual human being. But they're not going to turn evil and they're not going to uh, kill us all. If mm. I'm going with the this sort of mindset, then uh, yeah, they seem pretty <laughs> freaking cool. And uh, you know, I wouldn't it be awesome to have a friend, an actual friend, who's an AI. Yeah, that was the like. I, yeah. that that was another thing I forgot to mention when it came to her is that like, um, you get like I don't know the way that I thought about it is like that'd be super cool to like, yeah, kind of kind of have like a personal robot assistant, uh, not but the, or not yeah. like or I guess you know just very smart AI that could be like you know an assistant but also like a you know like an actual person to talk to, yeah. I feel like, you know, it could be a, a very interesting thing. It could be, you know, it could be awesome. Just like, hey, hey, guys, this is my bro. He's he's an AI. That, that would be sick. <laughs> I'd love that. Imagine, but, doing, imagine doing a podcast with an AI. <laughs> dude, imagine in like fucking uh, 10 years when we're at like, or maybe more when we're at like uh, almost a thousand episodes of Movie Dudes. And we're just like... <laughs> Having a, a podcast with uh, an, an AI, oh, that would be mark, amazing. Mark my words, like mm-hmm. if if we ever get to a state of the world where we have her like artificial intelligence uh, in our like for consumer availability, mm-hmm. uh, I I will do a podcast <laughs> where, oh, where co-host is a ro- was is like a robot is a robotic intelligence. That would be what. That'd be so amazing. What film would that AI want to talk about? That is my question. Oh my god, if we did movie dudes with robots. <laughs> <laughs> what, what film? Because it would be so awkward to talk about a film that shows AIs as the bad guy. Yeah, we t- That'd be such an awkward situation. <laughs> we, we talk about so 2000. Like, we talk about 2001. Yeah, that was what I, what I was thinking about. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, dude. Let's. Hit, oh man. <laughs> Those just because I was like the film that that had uh, I have in front of me. But imagine making a film, uh, a podcast about a, an AI, and he's just thinking about like a Wes Anderson film or just something that has nothing to do with AIs. <laughs> would be the best. <laughs> yeah, like uh, like a real like a really emotional film like Royal Tenenbaums. I don't know. Yeah. I feel. I, I guess if we were if we were getting to a point where it's it's like her, I guess we would kind of get. Um, yeah, we we would get robots or like you know artificial intelligence that would have 
not emotions, but would have an under like a very deeper understanding of them. But I guess I guess they would kind of have emotions. I don't know. That's the yeah. thing we're definitely well, gonna have to talk about in the in the her episode because yeah, I, I that's another thing about that movie that still I still think about sometimes. It's like is that like a like do the artificial intelligence in that movie have feelings or is it fake? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I was thinking about the, especially the scene in her where um, they go on a double date with uh, Chris Pratt and yeah. uh, and his girlfriend. And they, you know, just, they just have a conversation with her, joking with each other and just having fun. And it's like, you know, if that ha- ends up happening, we could definitely do a podcast with an AI. Of course. Yeah, if it's like that, yeah. my, my God. Oh, man, that would be what, the best. It would be... What would the world even be like? I don't know. <laughs> that would be a word that has nothing to do with the world that we're living in. I mean, the idea like humans will have created life and someone will have such a god complex somewhere. I don't know who. Oh. Maybe Elon Musk, maybe um the the Amazon guy I forgot his name. Bezos. One of those guys is going to have such a god complex. Whoever actually comes up with that kind of AI. Yeah, like we're going to have we're gonna have a guy in the future that's that's like Nathan. Mm-hmm. In the future, there's gonna be that guy who just d- discovered the perfect the perfect algorithm. It's gonna be Elon Musk. Let's face it. <laughs> you think Elon's and, gonna be the one? Well, the way that it's <laughs> with what's going on right now. I mean, Elon Musk <laughs> is the guy who's planning on making a fucking spaceship that's gonna go in space and sh- just show ads. Like that's I don't insane. know if you saw that. I That's, didn't see that. What? Yeah. No. Yeah. He's playing on actually doing that. He's gonna say, um, he's gonna send like a fucking spaceship to, the <laughs> to space. That's its its entire purpose is gonna be to show ads, which is the most stupid idea I've ever That's heard. So. And I think, that's so dystopian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know, right? It's like, you know, that's uh, the. That's again. That's a joke. That's in The Simpsons. So if it happens, there's gonna be another thing that they got right. But uh, in the same episode I was talking about earlier, they like it's uh, Bart and Lisa that are looking at the at the stars, and then the stars just start forming a net for uh, uh, for Duff beer. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. th- this is the part in technology advancements where I think like we're this is going too far. Let's yeah. just step down a so bit. That's... That's the thing, though, is that we're definitely going to have that. Like, I, I feel yeah. like, I feel like that's like, I don't remember if her really touches on that. Uh, I, I guess. don't think so. Because, like, well, I mean, targeted advertising wasn't exactly a, a like a big thing back in twenty thirteen when her was released. Um, mm-hmm. But like in the future, it's absolutely going to be like, you know, ads at every corner. We're already kind of getting that with the internet yeah. in general but um i guess like stepping back a little bit it's like um back to like the the earlier point of like elon musk uh doing the big <laughs> big space billboard um mm-hmm. i guess i don't know i think in a way i think you're right but in another way i i don't know because like elon has pushed the envelope in the past with like tesla um wasn't he the dude who mm-hmm. did PayPal? Wasn't that Musk as well? Yeah, yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I thought. It wasn't. So yeah, he's he's like 
He's, pio- he's pioneered electronic uh, money management, um, electronic cars. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. It's. I think he definitely has the drive to do it. I think if anyone was going to be the guy, it would probably be him. Yeah. But it could also just be some random dude out there. Oh, yeah, or yeah, yeah. Just, or, or, you know, just some random person that just, mm. like, is like just working on some kind of code and they go like oh <laughs> i have an <Yeah>. idea <laughs> uh, but that, that's also kind of something that i wanted to talk about if we're still on uh elon musk of course Th- this guy is i i feel like his amb- ambitions are too big and i think he wants to advance technology too fast yeah he and not talking- not just him but also like the other big uh big companies in terms of technology like yeah what were you gonna say but yeah him him in speci- him specifically is definitely like like that Neuralink stuff you remember that musk uh no. he's he started a company called a uh, Neuralink, uh where he was trying to like speed up the process of us getting like b- like technology that's linked to our brain activity he was trying to like get that like get that ball rolling immediately, and everyone was like, "Hey, wait, 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 wait!" Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, "Elon, hold oh, on." Man. No, this, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, Elon is kind of an interesting person in how like three years ago he was like the the most loved person by the internet because he was like this really <laughs> th- th- this guy that made was gonna make sci-fi real and everything and the more he's doing stuff the more everyone's like not too sure about that guy he seems kind of weird he's just he's and... a very he's a very weird guy um yeah he's also just a weird guy to listen to i don't know if you've ever like seen a clip like there's obviously the episode the episodes he was on of uh joe rogan um but just like yeah if you listen to those clips he's just he's not a very interesting man to listen to listen to, to listen to but he's also <laughs> he also like thinks in such an abstract way that like i think he might be able to do some crazy stuff but i don't know <laughs> yeah i don't really know what to think about elon musk sometimes i guess is what to say but yeah, it was like mm-hmm. years ago, like yeah, like you said, like a couple of years ago, he was the most loved person on the internet. But he's he's just kind of you know proven himself to be like a not like crazy, but definitely like like a like a like one of those giants out there, like Jeff I, Bezos, that's just like I'd say, is yeah, so I'd detached say that, from any kind of reality that we well, have. Well, yeah, what what it is, is he's just as weird as any person would be if they had over a $100 billion net worth. It's true, yeah. Like, his net worth, I have it in front of me, it's $182.1 billion. What the fuck? <laughs> that makes no sense. <laughs> Who has that? Nobody is going to be the same... No one's gonna be it's, even close to someone who has who makes like say even say you make like a hundred thousand a year. He's not even gonna be yeah. on the same level as someone who's in like the upper class. That's it's, like that's mm-hmm. that's different world kind of money. Because even oh, when because even when you're like affluent and have like a nice house and a nice neighborhood, mm-hmm. you still are a little bit connected to like like you know the. 
the people who are financially like less off than that yeah but elon musk and like jeff bezos is like a whole nother world Mm -hmm. of like we we don't we don't comprehend it and they definitely don't comprehend us i mean 182 billion dollar the right adjective for that is not big it's not giant it's absurd it is (laughs) like it makes no sense i what do you do with that money you think about it and like you living as you are now have not mm-hmm. even probably spent like 1.5 million dollars in your lifetime no you probably you have not. you have probably spent like a little like a good chunk under that and then yeah. and their their net worth is that times an unthinkable number <laughs> it's it really is kind of dystopian <laughs> it's it's a very odd thing to think about it's like it's huh. no, yeah because <laughs> i mean i remember like i think it was like three years ago when jeff bezos became the wealthiest <laughs> man on earth he also <laughs> yeah. became the first man to have a hundred billion and now elon <laughs> musk is at almost twice that amount it's it's something all right yeah i don't I mean, know there's, I, I, I guess another thing to say just about like, the economy. At least in, mm-hmm. at least in America, the, the current thing that is like prevailing, within just like regular, uh, like people day to day is, uh, minimum wage being like raised to fifteen dollars. Yeah, because I heard that like if, it didn't grow since like two thousand nine. It hasn't, but that's insane. If if I'm being honest. This is my, like, I'm not an economist, obviously. Right. But this is my, like, point of view of it. I don't see how that really helps anything because it's going to be good for, like, a couple of years. Like, if we get, mm-hmm. like, if minimum wage raises to, like, up to that number, oh, my God. Like, the amount of, like, stuff that people can do for a few years is going to be insane. Yeah. But, but, that's going to create inflation and stuff's going to be right. just as bad as it is now in, like, 10 years. Well, yeah, that's the issue. It's not so, the necessarily... It, the, the issue is not necessarily that the minimum wage is too, um, is too small. It's more that with the minimum wage, if you do if that's your salary, you can't really do anything with that. Like, you can't <laughs> own an apartment. No. You, can't, no. you can't pay rent. You can't buy groceries and everything. That's, it's, not even a, it's not even a political stance. It's just... It's no. just a fact. Like if you It's just a fact, yeah. You have my like I grew up with my dad doing two jobs like two like two jobs. Mm-hmm. And that just enough to like afford like a apartment. That's insane. Right. Even no, in the it's... like even the even in the apartment I live in right now, I would not be able to live here if I had a minimum wage job. I don't. Right. Like I have one that's like a little bit above minimum wage, but that's like just enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I have a minimum wage job, and you know I live in Canada where yeah, um, the minimum wage is much higher. Um, <laughs> I mean, it is. It is. Hold on, I want to see. Um, in Canadian dollar, the minimum wage is um, thirteen dollars and fifty uh, fifty cents, which in U.S. dollars is ten ten dollars seventy four cents. Mm-hmm. Which is still, I, I'm not sure what's the minimum wage in in the U.S. right now. It's about. I'm sure people will correct me if I'm wrong. It's about like I know it's like around eight fifty. 
I believe. It right. Maybe like so, nine dollars. I don't know. You know I worked. I worked a minimum wage job for a, a summer, like or, or for for a couple mm-hmm. summers, and right. it was like, it was definitely not good money. But it's also it didn't didn't matter that I would remember. It didn't. It didn't. It wasn't important to me for. It, it wasn't important for me to remember. <laughs> is the point I'm trying right. to make. Right. Yeah, yeah. But like you know, now that I'm older, it's like yeah, you kind of. Even if you're having, even if you get like financial support from your parents, like I do, like I have, I'm in college, obviously, mm-hmm. and my parents help me with that. But if you yeah. were to, like, there are people out there that I know that are going it alone, uh, like even going to college on their own, like on their own salary. <laughs> I'm like, that's mm-hmm. insane. That's like incomprehensible to me. <laughs> Yeah, dude. All right. College is one of the uh, one of the reasons why I'm very happy to not be in the U.S. <laughs> no, I count mean, your count your lucky stars. You're Canadian oh, and going to college. I know. Dude, I pay nothing for college compared to to the U.S. It's crazy. <laughs> it's, it's really bad. <laughs> it's it's especially horrible. It's it's really it's really funny. To yeah. to come from, I don't know. To come from like, this is like not off topic, but it's on topic as well. It's really funny to come from like a family of people who, you know, just kind of they either didn't go to college or they went to college, but for like a really practical job, like education. Like my mom was an right. educator. Um, all right. So, uh, like you have all these, and then to tell them like, oh. I have a liberal arts degree on the way. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's always funny because it's like nobody yeah. nobody ever looks down on me for it, but it's it's really it's a weird moment where you're just kind of like you know, I'm going to college but like this is not a practical skill. <laughs> right. Like I I don't know. If I I guess the word to say is that like or I guess what the topic the way to I guess summarize my experience on the topic and how i see myself in the future is that like i think i'll be okay but if i wanted to (laughs) if i wanted to okay that's the good thing about america i guess is that even though you have to pay a lot for college and stuff like that um most people and obviously we're still working on this it's still kind of an issue amongst um just people in general um but like uh, most people now have the opportunity to, like, if you want to, you can go to, like, a trade school or something, like, not even college, to, like, learn mm-hmm. a trade, like, industry or, like, like electric electrical or something like that and make a lot of money. If you're smart yeah. about it, if, you, if you're smart about it and know, like, like what jobs are really good right now, uh, then, then I think you'll be fine to just live, but there comes the issue of people who you know didn't really get an education higher than high school uh right and there's a lot of issues of like whether or not the economy is going to be able to sustain something like that which mm-hmm. you know i'm not a i'm not a political person i don't even really know much about politics that's why Same. i do a that's why i do a movie podcast <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah no uh I think it's I think it's good to talk about these things from time to time because it's just yeah I think it's especially interesting might I say 
uh, to have this conversation with someone who's not American. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, because it's, <laughs> it's it's like because all the conversations I have obviously are people who live mm-hmm. around me, so it's like I don't really get to know what the other side is like. Well, I'll be honest, it's kind of the the opposite for me, where like you know a lot of times <laughs> on the news we're going to see st- uh, stuff about what's going on uh, in America, and then I'll be talking to my Canadian family and be like, dude, I am so happy I'm Canadian. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, you laugh, but you know, there's so it's much true. stuff. That's, no, it's there's so much stuff going on. <laughs> there have been so many moments. Like I've never, yeah. I have, I have always been okay with living in America. I'm glad I mm-hmm. do. Um, I'm not like, I don't know. I don't know about you know being pride like prideful or whatever. But there, um, yeah, but there's, there's there's always worst. Yeah, there's there's pros and cons to living anywhere. But like, yeah, there have been moments where like, th- this was especially true during the uh, the early days of the pandemic, where mm-hmm. um, you know like we would we would get news from other countries like New Zealand. Obviously, they're so much smaller than us, but I think it talks much more on like a bigger scale of like how it's like a society acts because like in New Zealand, obviously it's not like totalitarian or something, but like, you know, everybody like banded together and made sure that they stayed relatively COVID free throughout Mm -hmm. a good majority of the pandemic. And then you get to America where even from the early days of the pandemic, people were like, Oh, I think we can get through this. Like without too much of an issue. Even then I was like, no, we're gonna have a lot of problems because there's yep. no way. Like, if we if we can't get everybody in America to agree on like pretty basic things, then we will not get everybody to agree mm-hmm. on a certain like a set way to get rid of something. Mm-hmm. This is just well, going to have to pull its like go its course, or we're gonna have to get a vaccine. That's the only way that that thing was ending. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, to be honest, because I really don't want this conversation to come out as uh, America sucks, Canada is the best, because that's not the case. Obviously, uh, not, no. you know, there are just like any country, there are issues in Canada, and mm-hmm. just like the U.S., there are a bunch of people who uh, don't be- even believe that COVID nineteen is a thing that exists, mm-hmm. and they think that the vaccine is going to kill you, and. I personally know people who uh, have told me arguments like, uh, but why are you going to put the vaccine inside of you when you don't even know what's in it? Do you know what's in your fucking Coca-Cola? Yeah, you still drink it. (laughs) I, okay. I have, like, Mm -hmm. I obviously, like, obviously I believe COVID's a thing. I've experienced. Mm -hmm. I hope so. I've experienced what it is firsthand. Like, I've never Oh, really? I I've, oh, okay. Right. I guess I guess it would be secondhand. I've experienced the effects that it has. I've known right. people. I've known people who've you know. My mom had COVID, and mm-hmm. uh, I've had people close to me die from COVID. So I know. Oh, I know what that. it is. It's it's. Well, it's not okay, but you know, it's it's all right. It's it was a long time ago now, but is it's, it's right. still it's still like you know whatever I hear people say like oh you know COVID's fake. It's like. It's obviously not at this point. Mm-hmm. I really do think the only room for argument that people can have about discourse over COVID is I think the vaccine issue is 
very multi-layered because it's like obviously we should to a certain extent trust like vaccines but it's also an idea Mm -hmm. of like are you willing to just kind of you know run the gauntlet and like go go for this vaccine which was fairly new by the time that like i got it like i got like okay i guess it'll be like pretty much full disclosure at this point uh i don't I don't know if it's okay to say what kind of vaccine I got. Is that like a thing that people are taboo about? No. Okay. No, so, I think it's okay. I don't yeah. see why it wouldn't be okay. I don't either. I got the Johnson one. I got the one shot. Uh, All right. That was, that was not my choice, uh, but it was what was provided to me through my college. Um, mm-hmm. And I got it that night. I felt you know kind of sore. I had a fever up until I went to sleep. Um, but that was the re- really the only issues I had with it. Um, but about three days after I got my shot, I get an email from my college that says, Hey, um, we're discontinuing or we're like, you know, we're, um, what's the, what's the word? We're calling the shot. We're calling Johnson's right. vaccine because, uh, people are, uh, or because because some people are experiencing blood clots from getting the vaccine. Yeah. All right. Now, yeah, right. now, mm-hmm. you know, to to kind of like get into that, or to kind of like explain what really happened with that, it was a very very small minority. It was like six people mm-hmm. out of like millions that got that vaccine. I'm fine. A lot of other people I know who got that vaccine are fine, mm-hmm. but. I think it definitely does say something to, like, the idea of, like, okay, we don't really know what we're putting in our body, but also we know it's probably not dangerous. Obviously, we don't we don't know everything that's going to happen in the future, mm. but um, I think it's the, it's the best bet we got right now. <laughs> yeah. And mm-hmm. I never... Definitely. I never felt uncomfortable, I guess, going to get the vaccine. I never had that moment of like, oh, I don't know if this is going to be a good idea or not. Because I was like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm willing to do whatever it is that I guess doctors think we should do. Because I genu- generally, I trust doctors. But like... Yeah, I mean, doctors went to school for 10 years. I believe them. If you're willing to yeah. go to school for that long, I don't <laughs> believe you. I think it's, yeah, it's a very... Obviously, it's not all black and white. It's ex- it's extremely gray. Yes. yes. But um, I just think I think it's it's equally as stupid to blindly accept everything as it is to blindly deny everything, <laughs> like some people do. Yeah. No. Yeah. I get that. I f- yeah. feel like I may have a tendency to blindly like believe everything maybe but you oh, know i can't my yeah, view I, on I, that I, is just a, like i'm so fucking tired of this shit i'm just no I just so am i end. no i can't so you know i can't stand over here and talk like i'm like i'm very different than that no i right i'm, yeah, I'm I, extremely yeah. the kind of person that's like with when it comes to covid and everything i'm obviously willing to do whatever it is that i need to do to like make sure that everybody around me is safe or stuff like that but at the mm-hmm. same time, my God, it gets hard. Like it gets, it, it's, it's just like, it's yeah. been, it's been, you know, almost a year and a half since yep. this all started. And, you know, it doesn't from, you know, all this recent COVID Delta stuff, 
mm-hmm. who knows if who knows if we're just starting again or if it's gonna uh, be nothing i don't know I don't, some well, some yeah, colleges I, this is this is absolutely true some colleges in my state are thinking of doing online classes again when just months ago we were told that it was like yeah you guys can come back in now obviously my yeah. obviously my college hasn't said anything yet they're they they brought back masks but that's really all we got that's i don't yeah i don't have any idea about my my college i haven't gotten mm-hmm. anything uh um, so you know fingers crossed it is gonna be okay but yeah i guess i guess what i what i think right now is i just hope we don't get locked up again because same um i i don't want to disclose too much about it because it's obviously a really really personal thing but oh absolutely quarantine uh left me in a not so good state of mind that i okay yeah that i have still been in for many months after it started Mm -hmm. but um i just think like i think we're at a point personally where we can where we can go about our days still go to places like movie theaters or mm-hmm. have like like go to like a store or something even if we got to wear masks i think we're at a point where that's possible without all of us having to quarantine yeah unless it gets I mean, worse I, yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know i mean i don't know about you but i'm i'm fine with wearing masks so am i yeah i've never been yeah i've never been anti-masks um yeah but yeah i was <laughs> it's just been it's been really funny because of just how touch and go everything has been. I've had, I've had family members that have been like, you know, just kind of like I don't know what to do about these, about these masks. Or like I don't, I don't mm-hmm. think I should, I don't think we should be wearing these masks anymore. And you know, it's I was I was in Florida, um, it, I was in Florida in early July, obviously, uh, mm-hmm. but around that time, masks were still like kind of a big, like not like a big deal in Ohio, like. For the for most of the month of July, we were kind of fine, but leading up to me leaving, it was definitely like, you know, keeping your mask on you was a pretty normal thing. Uh, in Florida, as soon as I got out of the airport, I didn't wear a mask from when I entered Florida to when I left. And that's absolutely true. Really? Yeah, I was there for I was there for two weeks. Not a single place required a mask. Not even the movie theater required a mask. Now the well, now I mean the, movie the, theaters. I know that's uh, exactly what you mean, but uh, yeah. in movie theaters here, like you can uh, take off your mask when you're sitting mm-hmm. on your seat and watching the movie, but you know when you're uh, entering and exiting the theater, you have to wear it. Yeah, I've seen um, four films in the theater since uh, theaters reopened. I've seen um, Quiet Place Part Two. I've seen mm-hmm. Fast and Furious Nine. I've seen. Oh, yeah. um, what was that jungle cruise and i saw a green knight uh mm-hmm. so uh during um when i saw quiet place part two my local theater was still we we had to wear masks the, throughout the entire experience which um obviously i don't wear them while we're you know doing the podcast because the glare would be insane but i normally wear glasses um okay but I, but I can't. Oh, but I can't right, do that right. when I really have my mask on. So, I really have to like mess with like how my <laughs> how I'm wearing my mask when I have my glasses. Yeah. Like, I don't. Oh, man. I don't pull it down or anything. But I have to like. 
kind of like push up my glasses a bit and it's really weird. Um, yeah. But when I was in Florida and I saw Fast and Furious 9, it was literally like days, like maybe like five or six days after I saw Quiet Place Part 2, masks were like, no, you're good. And hmm. I was like, huh. And then literally, because um, I saw Jungle Cruise and Green Knight this past week, my theater was like, yeah, mm-hmm. no masks, you're good. Uh, but hmm. I know, I know for a fact that like, even the even the deli across the street from me is requiring masks right now. So if they are, yeah. then I think we're I think we're due for masks to come back. I think that's definitely going to happen. Yeah. Um. Well. Oh, what was I going to say? Um. Yeah. No. For uh, I was thinking for the glasses thing. Like I. Yeah don't I, I don't wear glasses mm-hmm. but for you know i work at a grocery store and i started working there at the beginning of, of june and i think like at yeah, the beginning of july about mid-july uh we got the news that we don't have to wear the because we, we we had to wear protective glasses because you you can still get covid from the ice really and, uh yeah, that is and, uh, even, inter- interestingly enough. That has not even been addressed in in America. No one has well, said a damn thing about that. <laughs> even in even in college, when we had classes where we, we had to handle equipment, we had to wear glasses. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, and uh, I remember when they said you don't have to wear glasses anymore. I was so happy because the. Uh, it, it was so annoying to wear a mask with glasses. I, oh, I couldn't see terrible. a thing. No, imagine, no, imagine what it's like to have like, like prescriptions that you have to wear. But like, mm-hmm. see, that's okay. I say that like my my vision's too bad. It's really not. Like I don't wear glasses. <laughs> I don't wear glasses when I'm at my computer anyway. Um, right. Because I'm, I'm not. Um, I don't think I'm nearsighted. I think the term. I, I always mess the two up. But like. Whatever the term is for, I can't see anything past a certain distance. That's mm-hmm. what it is. Like I, like when it comes to stuff like in my immediate surroundings, I'm fine. Like I can read the stuff on a computer screen or a book completely fine. Um, yeah. But when it comes to like watching TV from across the room, nothing. I, <laughs> I <laughs> thought is the funny. The funniest part about that is a little anecdote about me discovering. Uh, that I needed glasses. I didn't wear glasses until I was like 16. Uh, oh, wow. Because I, because obviously like my vision wasn't bad enough to the point where I noticed it. Um, mm-hmm. But like, I was, I thought that was just how everybody saw the world. And then one day, <laughs> then one day I was in class and this is absolutely true. I jokingly put on a, a pair of one of my friend's glasses and oh everything cleared up and I almost had like a panic attack. I was like, because oh. <laughs> like the words on the board finally like were visible. And like, I was like, this is scary. Dude. Oh my God. That's crazy. <laughs> no, it's so terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. It's, it's, it's such a, it's such a, I can't even imagine what it's like for someone like even my roommate. He was born, mm-hmm. um, or like his his eyes have been not great since he was um, since he was born. I think mm-hmm. I don't know, but you know he just doesn't have very good eyesight without his glasses. I can't imagine what that was like to see that for the first time, right? Like to because like obviously mine isn't that bad, but it was still like a moment that was like, 
near life changing of like, oh, I don't know what to think about that. But like, <laughs> I can't, I can't imagine what it's like to have your entire vision just be like instantly perfect from like a moment of like, oh, <laughs> I think that's so interesting. Yeah. That's funny, cause like in my friendly, that that's a pretty. Uh, I th- I think that's pretty funny how in my family, you know, um, I have a family of six people: my parents, me, and my three brothers. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I'm the only one in the six of us that doesn't wear glasses. Really? And like I've got, you know, I've got perfect eyes. Like I don't. It's not even the the case of like uh I could have glasses but it's not really worth it. I yeah. it's, glasses it's, are not going to do shit for yeah. me, you know. Yeah. Your your eyes are just fine. Yeah. But everyone else in my family has <laughs> uh glasses. You know, obviously my parents have like uh reading glasses cuz that mm-hmm. that comes with age. Of course. And um my my brothers, you know, I've got two brothers who are like, you know, they don't really wear their uh glasses too often, but then I got my older brother who like is basically <laughs> blind uh not that far but you know he's planning on uh, yeah. getting getting like the the surgery yeah it's um my it's it's really funny to think about it like this but like my dad because like out of the people who still like i guess who are biologically like in my family other than like my mom's side like speaking strictly on my dad's side which is just mm-hmm. like like four people (laughs) all right he's the only my dad is the only one of us that doesn't need glasses and Mm. it's really it's really funny to me because i'm like (laughs) really i'm like that was i was like you were the one (laughs) (laughs) who knows maybe maybe in the future my kids will be saying that about me it's possible (laughs) (laughs) who knows Uh. yeah Yeah, that's <laughs> that's uh, you know that's really funny. Yeah. So um, yeah, I guess we've come to the end of this uh, big discussion about that yeah. that only started with AIs, but then ended yeah. out uh, we, ended up being about so many different topics. We this is like definitely the most off topic we've gone on the podcast. We didn't even talk about. I, we didn't even talk about entertainment. <laughs> no, yeah. Like, usually we always have, like, a uh, big tangent on, I don't know, anime and Satoshi kind yeah. of that kind of stuff. We didn't even talk about other movies. Which no. is the only films we really talked about are Ex Machina and Her. Yeah, we talked about Ex Machina, Her, and then real-world issues. Like, yeah. like, uh, <laughs> like, like COVID and, and the economy. Please... That is not... Yeah. Please... <laughs> yeah. Okay... People who are watching this and have watched to this point, I I obviously can't speak for both of us, but mm-hmm. I talk from the point of view of me. I mm-hmm. am a film student in Ohio mm-hmm. who grew up decently well off. I never had to... I wasn't wealthy or anything, but I never had to really worry about food. That's the point of view I'm coming from. Obviously, I might be a little uninformed <laughs> about certain right. things. But um, everything I talk about is from the is from that perspective and my own experiences. So I don't yeah. I don't I don't want to come off like an like an uninformed idiot. I hope I haven't. I don't think I have. Uh, but like 
that's just just a disclaimer i guess to say <laughs> keep keep in mind that most of my information that i talked about comes from twitter <laughs> so yeah. yeah probably not the best place to get information <laughs> but right yeah, it's... you know yeah. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the at, we're, the at the end of the day, we're just we're just dudes. We're just move. We're movie dudes. That's yeah. That's I mean, all we where don't... do you think Where do you think the name came from? Yeah. It's it's because that's what we are. We don't gotta. Mm-hmm. We we're so far. We're so far from being the best person to talk about these kinds of issues. Oh, of course not. No. <laughs> oh, but yeah. I just wanted to wanted to throw that out there after that. Very mm-hmm. long discussion about those topics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But um, do you think it's time to uh, do the uh, do the honors for next week? Let me pull up the randomizer. Oh, boy, I'm so excited. All right. All right. All right. So hold on a sec. Copying and pasting the films. Randomize. All right. All right. Okay. This uh, next week's film is going to be about a film that I really like. It's a film that is called Memories of Murder. Oh, yes. Have you have you seen Memories of Murder? I do not, but I have it. It's one of the it's one of the films you, you I have bought. the Criterion. Yes, it's one of the films that I bought in the last uh, couple months. I didn't buy it during the sale, but I bought it early mm-hmm. June. It's part of my pile of Criterion movies that I have that I'm working through, st- like slowly but surely. I was actually yeah. planning on watching Memories of Murder very soon. So All right. Well, that's I am fantastic. glad we're here. <laughs> mm-hmm. And well, for me, I, I it's also a film that I got in the. Uh, last month's Barnes and Noble sale. Oh yeah, and, uh, that's right. it's a film yeah. That, yeah, it's a film that I saw last summer, and uh, you know, because last year I was just so into Bong Joon Ho's movies, and so mm-hmm. I'm, I, that's a film that I really liked, and I'm so excited to talk about it. Yeah, I don't know if we talked about this. Like, I mean, if you wanted to, we could talk about what we got during the sale, because I don't think I don't oh. think we talked about this, and this was. We this, might as well. Yeah. This was a Criterion-born podcast. Yes, true. We this, would not. We, we would. We would we not be where for, we are. Yeah. Yeah. It, for those who, for those who don't know, we met through a post that I made on the Criterion subreddit. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, well, so do you want to start? Uh, yeah, I guess I could go through my pickups. I'm gonna be kind of just glancing over at my shelf. Uh, actually, mm-hmm. no. I'll just. I'll just go to the pictures that i took of it yeah <laughs> because right. so so i don't forget any um Same. but uh in this last sale i picked up um i guess i'll just go i'll go in order from when i think i picked them up i ordered or i bought so this is really funny <laughs> most mm-hmm. of the films that i bought uh, i picked up while i was still in florida <laughs> mm-hmm. and i put them in my suitcase and brought them back to ohio so you know, nice. so I bought them most of them at the Barnes and Noble near Tampa. So, uh, I started the sale off with uh, the Blue, White, and Red trilogy. Uh, oh, the yeah from or yeah, mm-hmm. I guess it's I guess another the other word for it is uh, three colors. Um, mm-hmm. And I am I apologize. His name is Polish, so I am probably mm-hmm. going to mispronounce it by uh, Chris uh, Krzysztof uh, Kieslowski. 
Uh, uh, yeah, I think I pronounced it like Kieslowski, something like that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't speak. I don't speak Polish. Neither do I. But I also picked up yeah. um, Spike Lee's "Do the Right Thing." Oh yeah, I should. Oh, I should probably yeah. indicate. I should probably indicate whether he's a blind buyer or not. I have never seen mm. Three Colors trilogy before. I bought it. I saw "Do the Right Thing." Um, before mm-hmm. before picking it up, and during that first trip, I also picked up um, "Blue is the Warmest Color" uh, by. This is another word I'm probably gonna mess up because I I believe it's French. Um, Ab- Abdelatif Kish. Uh, that's I think Kishish? that's a, I think that's an uh, Arabic name. Oh yes, I, I I think so. But the film is in French. I was confused. Yeah, um, I've not seen it yet. But I picked it up because it was twelve dollars and it was Blu-ray. Uh, hmm. I do not know why this one was so cheap compared to the other Blu-rays. <laughs> I think maybe it's because it got some kind of black, uh, backlash when it came out because it's got some very explicit yes. sex scenes. I I, think I, I, I read up on the, sex scenes. Yes, I read up on the um, controversy after I bought the film. Um, right. But I believe the other reason it's probably cheap is because it is kind of a bare bones release. There really is only like when in terms of supplements that Criterion usually has, yeah. Really, the only thing you get is a commentary track and a TV spot in trailers, and that's it. Hmm. So oh, that kind of sucks. It is a really bare bones. I, mean, I guess it's a bare bones release. Dollars. It's but for what? Yeah, for what? It, for what it was, I was like, whatever. It's a blind buy. I've never seen it mm-hmm. yet. Um, and I also picked up uh, Solaris by Andrei Tarkovsky during that first mm. uh, that first visit. And I watched it the night afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my God, Solaris is incredible! Like it's, you know, I've never seen it. I've, uh, I've never seen a Tarkovsky film, but I'm really gonna have to do that at oh some yeah. point. No, I put Solaris on our on the, on my watch list for this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, Stalker Stalker has been on my watch list for a long time, so maybe at some point I'm gonna watch it or Solaris or something. Oh yeah, no, Solaris is beautiful film. It's really long, but mm-hmm. I think it. I think it works through that length um, with, like, you, you don't think, I don't think it needs to be that length, but it's comfortable at that length. I think it's like two right. two hours, 40 minutes, something like that. It's pretty long. but It's, it's not too long. No. So right. through, through having that, I decided, I'm like, okay, I kind of want to pick up another Tarkovsky movie. So I came back to that Barnes & Noble a couple days after watching Solaris. Uh-huh. And I bought Stalker, uh, mm-hmm. and I I also bought um, oh what else did I pick up during that trip? I think that was the trip that I picked up um, Parasite because uh, I had I had already owned Parasite on regular Blu-ray, but I mean it's it's the sale, so I decided to just bite the bullet and buy the Criterion version as well. Uh, mm-hmm. But I also bought. Um, have you heard of the um, Eclipse series from Criterion that they do? Yeah. Actually, yes. literally yesterday I was like, you know, I should try to get more into that. So I just went through all of them and saw which one interested me. Yeah. So uh, um, I picked up the uh, the first films of Akira Kurosawa Eclipse set, mm-hmm. which features uh, his first four films, uh, Sanshiro Sugata, uh, Sanshiro Sugata uh, Part 2, uh, The Most Beautiful, and The Men Who Tread on the Tiger's Tail. Um, so that was, that was my, that was my second trip. And then I went on one final trip (laughs) (laughs) and I picked up, 
I, I think I got the order wrong, uh, but I picked up uh, Mishima, A Life in Four Chapters. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was... I also had releases that I was like, okay, I want to buy these, but I, they're not at the Barnes & Noble, so I'm going to order on Amazon. They'll be there when I get home. So I bought, mm-hmm. the, blu- I bought the Blu-ray of Punch Drunk Love from Paul Thomas Anderson. Love that movie. Um, I forgot to also mention that I had not seen Mishima yet. Um... But I also bought uh, on Amazon the uh, the DVD print because there's not a Blu-ray version of it of Yukio Mishima's uh, Patriotism. Mm. So right. I have a very nice double feature waiting for me for whenever I watch Mishima. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the final final thing I picked up during the sale was an impulse buy uh, before I moved into my apartment, and it's Bruce Lee, His Greatest Hits. Oh, that's uh, I'm really curious about that set. I've, it's, it seems I've, like it's such a good set. I've watched uh, one film from it so far, which is uh, The Big Boss, and I liked it mm-hmm. a lot. And I'm really excited to get into the rest of it. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, that's, you know, I that's my I, I like that's, that's my massive sale haul. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I was gonna say is, I you know, I like uh, martial art films, and um, oh yeah, I I really like uh, Jackie Chan's movies. I've never seen a Bruce Lee movie for some mm. reason. Yeah, so I'm gonna I, have to do that. I only recently got into martial arts films with um, mm-hmm. with Jackie Chan's Police Story One and Two. Again, thanks to Criterion. <laughs> yes. But yeah, that was my um, that was my complete mm-hmm. sale haul. <laughs> so what did, um, you, what did you get, Phil? So for me, I'll everything I got was in one bunch because mm-hmm. I had to order them all from Amazon because unfortunately, Canon does not have Barnes and Noble. Mm-hmm. So I could not have the pleasure of going into the store and go through everything that uh, that was uh, on the shelves. I mean, so hey, I well, only have, once you yeah. w- once you realize that Amazon price matches the the world's your oyster, yeah. you know, you don't really got to worry about going to Barnes and Noble. The experience is still fun because you. I just you, you I might... just wish I didn't have to pay for shipping. Yeah, that's it's... really it. Yeah, because not only it, that, yeah. but it's shipping through like another country. So yeah, that's true, actually. I didn't, I didn't take that into account, but anyway, yeah. What do you What you pick up? All right, so I got one blind buy, which is mm. um, not even exactly sure why I wanted to get this film, but it was like really high on my list of films that I wanted to get. It's The Fisher King by Terry Gilliams, mm. okay. um, with um, Robin Williams and Ooh. Jeff Bridges. Ooh, I and like it's, that. Yeah, I heard that it's basically. I haven't seen the film, so I can I don't really know how correct that is but i heard that it's kind of a film about robin williams who plays a homeless man who's who's in new york because he believes that it's in new york that he's going to find the holy grail (laughs) which i i that's something that i noticed after buying the film how like it's interesting how terry gilliams directed two films about the holy grail what was his other other one the monty python oh that's right that's right Forgive yeah, me. <laughs> which is another film we could talk about uh, oh, on the for podcast. Sure. Mm-hmm. No, we should do. Honestly, I might add that to my watch list tonight of like the, I guess like the popular Monty Python trilogy of um, of you know like Holy Grail, Life of Brian, and uh, Meaning of Life. Because mm-hmm. I would love to talk about those because all, yeah, all, th- all three of them are very good. <laughs> I haven't seen Meaning of Life, but I'm planning to do do mm-hmm. that. I still haven't seen. Um, um, I have still haven't seen mm-hmm. Life of Brian, but I have seen. That's pretty good. I, like I, it. I have seen Holy Grail and Meaning of Life. But yeah, 
So um, continue. So, yeah. So um, F- Fisher King uh, to kind of finish that. I think that's a. It seems like a pretty interesting, interesting film, and I'm excited to see it. Uh, next film I got is uh, House, which mm. we already have said a lot of stuff about it so i'm not gonna go too much in detail um <laughs> for those watching if you want if you haven't seen it we made an episode specifically on house so you can watch you can check that out absolutely um and then the next film is memories of murder so Ooh, again yeah if you want uh, if you want a bigger d- discussion on it you can wait for next week's episode I'm so excited. I just have to yeah. say that again. I'm so oh, yeah. excited for that. Oh, same. It's such a good film. Um, next, just like you, I also got uh, Mishima, Life in Four Chapter. And that was, was um, you know, the, the, that was just a film that I randomly watched on the on the Criterion channel like two weeks before I ended up buying the, the Blu-rays. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I just thought it was a really good really good film i thought it's interesting how mishima is like you know a very traditional japanese author with very sort of conservative opinions and it's an author that i discovered through a pewdiepie video did you yeah because he made a um a few years ago he made a video about how um for an entire year he he read a bunch of books and he discovered his favorite author which was yukio mishima Ooh, okay. So Oh I think yeah, I I've so, read I've I've watched that video, but I Yeah. I didn't make that but, yeah. I didn't make that comparison. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. No, that I think that's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh next I got Police Story One and Two. Mm. Uh they're they're amazing films. I, I think really that, good. That might be my favorite blind buy I've done so far. Like out of the movies that I've mm-hmm. out of the movies that I've watched from the blind buys that I've had. That is definitely my favorite because I was just those movies are just yeah. so fun. <laughs> oh, it's oh, it's such a fun film to watch because that that one's uh, my brother is a big, uh, big fan of martial art films, martial mm-hmm. uh, martial art films, and mm-hmm. especially Jackie Chan. Yeah, and so he basically harassed me for years to watch this <laughs> film, and uh, last at the end of the last year, I ended up saying like, yeah, sure, let's watch it, and so. I, we ended up watching it. I was like, yeah, all right, you're right. This is fucking awesome. <laughs> and um, so that that's for that. And uh, next is The Princess Bride, which mm. is... Um, it's not the kind of film that you'd really expect to see on the on the Criterion Collection. It I isn't. It's, it's, one of those, it's one of those films where you're like, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And I mean, it's such a good set because I don't know if you've ever seen what it's like. But it's the, the the way the cover is made. It is the same kind of material that's on old books. Oh no way! And really? The book the booklet that you have in any Criterion is attached to the thing as if it was a book. That's ridiculous! And it's, I love it. That's so. Oh, that's so cool. I and it's, like. I've I've seen it obviously in pictures, but I've never seen it in person. Mm-hmm. So that's that's incredible. Yeah. No, I I didn't. I knew it was like making like a book, but I thought it was just gonna be regular plastic. And then I touched it, touched oh. it, and was like, "Dude, that's, that's insane! That's incredible! I love that." Mm-hmm. Um, next film I got, uh, I got two Wes Anderson films, because uh, I'm planning on getting uh, every one of his films on Criterion, so I'm gonna do that Hell yeah. one or two at a time. So I got um, 
my two favorite films from him that I didn't have yet, uh, which are The Royal Tenenbaums and Rushmore. Mm. And did, it's uh, it's did, kind of funny to talk. Did you already have Grand Budapest? Yeah, that's why uh, I, I got it. Mm-hmm, I got it uh, at the beginning of the year in the Feb- February sale. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, so it's kind of funny to talk about Royal Tenenbaums uh, now because. In the episode zero, when we were talking about our favorite films, you put Royal Tenenbaums at uh, in your list, but I hadn't, yes. I had not seen it yet. So, uh, and I ended up watching it. I think it was like two or three weeks ago, and I can now say, it's a great film. It is. It's pers- my my personal favorite Wes Anderson. I still think mm-hmm. I still think Grand Budapest is like the best film he's made right but, but grand buddha or um royal tenenbaums is my personal favorite mm-hmm. i don't even have it um, this is really funny mm-hmm. i don't even have it on criterion blu-ray i have the dvd oh, really? i have the criterion dvd which was te- um. t- technically i guess you could say that was the first criterion film uh that i ever bu- that i ever had because it was given to me by uh mm. by a friend of my dad's uh after, right. after we watched it at his house, he's like, I forgot that I had an extra copy. Here you go. So I was like, ah, hmm. cool. But, um, oh, nice. oh my God, I forgot to, I forgot to bring this up. Oh, yeah. Phil, I got something this last week. Oh, uh, okay. Do uh, you want to talk about it now or do you want me to finish about Yeah, you you go, you, you, you finish yours. Okay. Okay, all right. I'm really curious about where you're, yeah. <laughs> where you're gonna show, but uh, so next I got Rushmore from mm-hmm. Wes Anderson, which is uh, I know it's like one of your least favorites from him. It probably it, it's either that or Moonrise Kingdom, but being right being the worst Wes Anderson movie is not a bad thing to be. <laughs> I, I I'd rather be the the worst Wes Anderson film than like the best Michael Bay film. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Rushmore is for, in general, I feel like a lot of people had the same opinion about how it's one of his, uh, least good film. I'm going to say that instead of worse. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. I think for me, the thing in a weird kind of way, I, I identify a lot with the main character of Rushmore. Yeah. Uh, not in the way of, I want to bang my teacher. <laughs> but, yeah. but it's, it's, it's more in a way of like how he really has um especially how he's kind of like the, he directs these uh really ambitious plays for his school and uh he, he, it, it's a way of kind of like he, he is a very creative person and he has to show that creativity to the world which i think i also kind of have yeah uh, and I think I, I kind of identify through that, and you know I I feel like it's a a very a very good film. It is a good film. I like it a lot. And mm-hmm. but, the um, last film, yes, mm-hmm. yeah, last film is I think one of the most uh, underrated film in my opinion. In general, not even Criterion, but just in general, it's a film that is called Tom Popo, which I don't really mm. I've talked to you about. You might have mentioned it, but I've never I've never seen it, nor have I heard of it. All right, so uh, well, it's in the um, in, in my list, so we we're probably gonna make an a, an episode about it at of some course. point. Yeah, it's um, 
to, to kind of make the, the story quick, not to spend too much time about it, is a film about this uh, woman who owns a ramen shop. And the thing is that she makes pretty bad ramen. And then at some point she meets a guy who's like a, um, a truck driver. And so since he's always on the road, he eats a lot of ramen since it's pretty quick to eat. And um, so he knows what a good ramen is. And so he basically tries to teach her what uh, how to make good ramen. And, and that's, that sounds kind of like... That sounds so no, that sounds so charming. I'm really excited to watch yeah, that. But the thing is that... Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to talk too much about it because I feel like that's a, a good thing to not know that, that much about it. So I'm going to keep the yeah. surprise, I'd say. But this film is the biggest love letter to food mm. I've ever seen. And it's... It, it, there's a lot of weird scenes, but it, once you once you you'll have seen the film, you're gonna understand. Yeah. There's there's a lot of weird scenes related to food that I think are very nice, and in the way that the <laughs> film is made, there's so much stuff that I love. It's one of my favorite Japanese films of all time. It's and I think it's super underrated, and I think that more people should see it. Well, I'm super excited to check it out whenever we get to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, so, well, what, what is it that you wanted to talk about? Okay, so I'm going to go get it for the visual part of this podcast, um, but I'll start the story when I return to the chair. <laughs> All right, sure. All right. So this past week, I took I was in, I was in my hometown, and, or not my hometown, but, you know, I was in the town where my mom lives, and... Mm-hmm. Um, I decided on a whim one afternoon, I was like, eh, before work, I'm going to go to the, uh, the local record shop and see what's going on. Now, okay. sometimes they've been known to have, like, just kind of weird DVDs kind of laying around. Um, that's where I got my copy of uh, uh, The Human Condition on Criterion, was uh, the old DVD, uh, I guess, manufacturing of it. Uh, oh, that's nice. So I went over to where they usually keep their Criterions because they, they have a little dedicated section. It's not too big, but they have some Criterions on the shelf. Uh, mm-hmm. And in the DVDs, I uh, I saw something. I saw... <laughs> I saw a copy of Michael Bay's Armageddon on Criterion. No fucking way. For $5. <laughs> and I bought it. So, yeah, of so course now, you bought it. So now I'm on. I'm a I'm a proud owner of the 40th spine uh, from Criterion uh, Armageddon. <laughs> oh my god! When I first heard that there were like <laughs> two Michael Bay films on Criterion, I could not believe it. <laughs> well, see, like, okay, I can't say I understand the inclusion of The Rock. But The Rock is at mm-hmm. least a decent movie. Like, it's not too bad. <laughs> right. But Armageddon? <laughs> Even my dad, when I was talking to him about yeah. what Criterion was, and I told him uh-huh. I told him later that day that Armageddon was on, he was like, why the hell did they put that one on there? <laughs> so, oh. I, oh my god, dude. I was immediately like, I can't leave here without that. <laughs> no, you can't. If you had been on the... Uh on the podcast and you told me oh yeah i saw armageddon but i didn't get it this would have been this would have been our last episode all right (laughs) 
Oh, that's oh. fucking funny. I know. I wish it's I had it. So, I haven't watched it yet. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, eventually, I mean, out of all the Criterion I own and haven't watched, this will be the last one. Like, once, <laughs> once I literally have none of them that I haven't seen, Armageddon right. will be the last one. So, I guess I'll report back once I finally mm-hmm. watched Armageddon. But, um, but yeah, that was my amazing record store find this week. <laughs> Dude, all right. Let's just say that is not what I was expecting. <laughs> were you expecting anything in particular? I thought I the, I had two theories. One was that you were going to pull up the uh, like the giant Igmar Bergman set. Jesus Christ, that would have been insane. No, I probably would have been I probably oh, would have mentioned that much sooner. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or I thought we were gonna say like that you managed to find a uh, find a copy of the uh, Harold and Maud, uh Criterion. Oh, I would have been like out of print. I would have texted you about that. I wouldn't have even saved it for the yeah. podcast. I would have sent you a picture mm-hmm. of that shit. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's no. That's really fucking funny. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's like okay. I'm trying to think of the other. Because I know there's, like, one other terrible or, like, really questionable Criterion release that I want. Uh, well, but there's, I, I the, there, there's the uh, Benjamin Button. I have that. I, I have that one. Uh-huh. Yeah, I got I got that, that one like, many months ago. Uh-huh, because that one's the, it's the one that, like, one, really doesn't have a lot of bonuses, but two, is, like, it's, it's the only Criterion that's in the classic blue yeah. Blu-ray uh, which, box, which, which is really, I hate. It's really interesting um, if yeah. you if you look at like like because the the record store I was at because I bought it I bought the Benjamin Button Blu-ray at the same record store, um, All right. but they had DVD copies of it as well, which had the normal Criterion DVD case. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was like, why did they why did they change it for this? I was like, why why is it normal on this one? <laughs> That's weird. It was it's general... so it's definitely like a kind of like. The, the you know the organized part of me hates the fact that I have that on my shelf but the other part of me thinks like that's yeah. the other part of me think that's hilarious <laughs> I mean I've heard people that because I think like on their um you, well you can buy like uh blank boxes like the same ones that Criterion yeah. use so I've heard people that bought the Benjamin Bunn and <laughs> then um bought the um the the blank box and then just put it uh Put, put the Benjamin Bun Blu-ray in it just to make it more yeah. clean, I guess. That's what I did with um my my Wonkar Y box set. I bought a mm-hmm. I bought blank DVD cases and I put them in because I hated the fact that they were in plastic, like not even plastic sleeves, like uh just kind of like I like paper sleeves in the uh mm-hmm. in the box set. I was like, ah, that doesn't sit well with me. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm like I want these to be in good condition, especially because. When the Wong Kar Wai box set came out, everybody was kind of like freaking out about there being like a possible encoding problem because uh, some people weren't able. Really? Some people weren't able to uh, watch like some of the, some of the movies. Like some people had trouble watching uh, Chungking Express, and like because it would for some people it would freeze like around the halfway mark. Eventually, Ooh. this eventually like recently this was real to be like if you watch them on like Xbox systems, it's a problem. All right. But if you watch them on any normal Blu-ray player or like PS5, which is what I watched them on, you'll be fine. You'll be dude. You got a PS5. I do have a PS5. I was Jesus. I was no okay. This is this is an entire like other story yeah. to get into. But 
the short you're one of like yeah. you're you're one of 14 yeah the short the, the long and the short of it was for mm. ever since november since it came out it took me until february of constantly like refreshing gamestop pages whenever i would get a a hit on my twitter which is i would i would like i would follow notif- i would follow accounts and turn on notifications of like when ps5 drop days or like times literally it took me four months of doing exactly that every day and then one day it just worked wow yeah i well the the thing was was like me and my dad were both doing it uh, because he Mm -hmm. because he was helping me with it and he like we both went for the same one at the same time and i i was like no luck but my dad texts me and he goes i got it i was like what (laughs) so yeah i i'm very lucky to be one of the few people that (laughs) that own a ps5 right now (laughs) My God, which sucks because it's a really good system. <laughs> like, let me get that out there. It's, yeah, it's really good. <laughs> you know, obviously, like I don't want to get too much into like that because that's an entirely other tangent. Oh, but I just hate how, like, you know, it, there's, you know, almost a year ago, an entire new <laughs> generation of consoles started, and we can barely notice it because yeah. no one can get one. And there's not and even it's been almost a year. And there's not even that many games out for that exact reason. Yeah, like literally. Yeah. The only two PS5 releases that are coming out in like the immediate year or so is coming out next month, and that's Deathloop and Ghost of Tsushima uh, Director's Cut, which is like the two, which, which is the two that I've been following. But like, yeah, it's not apparent yeah. yet, and I really, I really do hate the way that they went through the release. But I also can kind of understand that it probably wasn't their choice to do it like this. It was probably. Mm-hmm. Is probably more than likely a you know a COVID-driven shortage of uh, supplies. Yeah. yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, it's still it's still kind of messed up <laughs> the way that it's all been going. Absolutely. But yeah. I I'm one of those absolute lucky people to have one. But yeah, that's that's mm. that I guess, and I think I think that's a good place as any to to end the podcast. You think? Yep. I agree. Yep. So um, this was fun. Catch us Mm -hmm. next week for our discussion of Memories of Murder by Bong Joon-ho. Thank you all for watching. Uh, I'm Alec. I'm Phil. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.